Well, let me see if I can sing this song here. How Can They Live Without Jesus? Written many years ago by a, a Christian musician and preacher. Let's listen to the words. How can they live without Jesus? How can they live without God's love? How can they feel so at home down here when there's so much more up above? Throwing away things that matter, they hold on to things that don't. The world has gone crazy, but soon maybe a lot more are gonna know. For maybe they don't understand it, or maybe they just haven't heard. Or maybe we're not doing all we can, living up to His holy word. Cause phonies have come, and wrong's been done, even killing in Jesus' name. And if you've been burned, here's what I've learned, the Lord's not the one to blame, for He's not a religion with steeples and bells or a salesman who will sell you the things you just want to hear. So many laughing at Jesus while the funniest thing that he's done is love this whole stubborn, rebellious world while their hate for him just goes on. And love just like that will bring him back for the few he can call his friends. The one he's found true who made it through enduring until the end. The ones he's found true who've made it through, enduring until the end. These words are potent because it's feeling the void that people feel that we once felt. And we want so badly to share with them. God has a better way. He has a plan. He wants to fill your life with His abundance. You don't have to struggle you don't have to try to be something you're not and live up to people's expectations when they are not from God. But please God. And how can they live without Jesus? And how can we throw away things that really matter while hold on, holding on to things that don't? And then here's the part that talks about our responsibility. For maybe they don't understand it, or maybe they just haven't heard, or maybe we're not doing all we can, living up to His holy word. Because phonies have come, and wrongs been done, even killing in Jesus' name. And if you've been burned, here's what I've learned: the Lord's not the one to blame. For He's not just a religion with steeples and bells, or a salesman who will sell you the things you just want to hear. A lot of people have itching ears. They want to hear what they want to hear. 
They want to hear their version of the gospel, their version of Jesus. But God says, I am who I am. And I will change you to be able to live with me. If that's what you want. In the midst of that, His love was so deep, He suffered so much to cause some of us just to follow. So many laughing at Jesus. Have you ever had family laugh at you and friends and colleagues, co-workers? You're too religious. You can love Jesus and have fun too. As we often say, living with Jesus and walking with Him is the most adventurous life. But the definition of fun is the matter. Everything in the world is about dissipation. Until somebody separates themselves from the fun in this world, they really haven't tasted Jesus. Or they've tasted Him and they've gone back. Because if we love Jesus, the phonies will be very apparent to us and we can't take it anymore. We don't want it. And the opposite is true too. If we love the world and all of its false highs, we won't want Jesus. Somebody said this, the thought came to me again recently. This book, calling, uh, talking about the Bible, he said, this book will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from this book. So we have a choice. We hold on to the book, the Word of God, and we separate from sin by default. Or we hold on to sin and we separate from the book, which means darkness and death. Well, while they're laughing at Jesus, we can say, you know the funniest thing that Jesus did? Is that He loved the whole stubborn, rebellious world. He died for us when we were ungodly. While their hate for Him just goes on. And love just like that, that kind of love, will bring Him back one day. For the few He can call His friends. The disciples asked the Lord, Lord, are there only a few that are going to be saved? Only a few? The Lord said, listen, the way to heaven is quite narrow. And few will find it. Few. But the way that leads to destruction, many people happily, merrily go on it. What does that imply? We have to make sure we're among the few. Not to consider ourselves elite and better than others, but to be those who have found the treasure beyond all price. And treasure it and hold it. And that's why these lyrics say, and love just like that will bring him back. For the few he can call his friends. You are my friends if you do what I tell you, Jesus said. The ones he's found true, who've made it through. That means they didn't compromise the truth. They didn't fall back into the world. They endured till the end. The one he's found true, who've made it through, enduring until the end. Praise God. What a joy to refresh ourselves in the truth and to know who we belong to. We have hope. First Peter 3.15, I believe it says, Be ready to give a defense, an answer for those who would ask you the reason for the hope that lies in you. I believe it's First Peter 3.15. Let me just double check that. That's a charge that God gives to us. Might be Second Peter, actually. 
someone has it, would you please read it? Be ready to give a defense. And the focus is this hope that we have. Some versions say, be ready to give an answer. But, are we able to do that? Somebody says, why should I believe in Jesus? Why do you believe in Jesus? What would you say? What would we say? I know what some of us would say. He changed my life. He changed my life. Great beginning. Great answer. How? To be able to be ready. Well, I was drinking. Not me personally, but some, somebody can say, I was a slave to the bottle. I thought it was okay. I thought I had it under control. The Lord set me free. And somebody else might say, I was a slave to cigarettes and drugs. Someone else, I was enslaved to immorality. I was addicted to certain things. Somebody else says, I didn't have any problem with drugs or alcohol, but I was a lover after money. I like prosperity. I like things. It was a covetous spirit that I had. And Jesus set me free from that. What a bold testimony. But you know what? Every one of those things are symptoms of a disease. We can say, I was held by my sins. And the Lord came and cut the cord that had me attached to the devil. And when the disease was taken care of, the symptoms disappeared. Hallelujah. Including fear. Being controlled by anxiety. There are people who have come on this call who said they couldn't drive. They had such a fear. They were functioning normally in every other respect, but they could not get behind the wheel. They didn't drink. They didn't do anything. They were fine. This demonic fear gripped them. They could not function in certain situations. But Jesus comes and liberates us so we can function for His glory anywhere, everywhere, all the time, no matter who's around or who's not around. Hallelujah. Some people cannot be alone. They have such fear and anxiety. Some people have anxiety when they're in a crowd of people. Some people can't even communicate with the very person that they're, 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 most, they're most endeared to. All kinds of things are happening. You know what this is called? Oppression from the devil. He comes to steal, to kill and destroy, to rob us. He's always trying to rob us of what God wants to give us. And we have the great testimony to tell people, I'm not getting robbed anymore. What do you mean? The devil robbed my sleep, robbed my health, he robbed my happiness, my relationships. God came and set me free from the oppressor. Well, how did you get to be oppressed? We're all sinners. We need a Savior. And you can have the freedom to. You know what? I found, maybe you've observed this, there's some people who will appear to debate you when you're witnessing to them. Even your family, especially your family, who don't know the Lord. Or who are lukewarm. They're not walking right. They know it. But they want to put on an air that they're Christians and they're okay. Leave me alone. You know what? Even when they debate with you or they seem to be hostile, when you speak the truth because you're living the truth, and you have prayed, the Spirit of God will begin to disturb them on the inside, which is a great thing. And that could haunt them until they come to surrender at the foot of the cross. 
So we have to have a reason for the hope that lies within us. To give to people as to why we trust Jesus Christ. Where this hope came from. And it's our privilege to be ready, to always be ready to tell people. It is First Peter 3.15. It says, uh, verse 13, Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Anything from the devil. They'll try to shut you down. Say, don't talk about Jesus. They'll think this, they'll do this. So what? Mike was actually relating to me very recently. And what a thrill it was to hear the testimonies. Jeff also. The boldness they had when they were in that environment with people who were incarcerated. And they went back to minister. At least I know Mike, when he went back with violent people, a couple of hundred of them, I believe. And no officer in the room And nobody really responded to what he was starting to say. The Lord gave him the boldness. At that moment, he had to make a decision. I'm here representing the Lord. I don't care how many people the devil has. God sent me on a mission to show his love. At the same time, to give his truth. They're inseparable. And God gave him the words to speak. And the guys, none of them got up. It was time to worship. After Mike spoke, by God's grace, at the end, they all got up and the correction officer there, or the officer in charge, when they stepped out, he said, are you crazy? You really said that to those guys? These violent people? With some three stabbings that day, he said, in that prison? When we have integrity, and we have no hidden agenda, no ulterior motive, we know whom we've trusted in. We know His power. It's His word, not ours. It can change somebody's life. Oh, thank God. Have you had missed opportunities? You know the Lord was tugging at you. Stop an extra moment, an extra five minutes, an extra hour. Talk to that soul. And all these excuses came. They won't like me. My voice is not right. My hair is not right. I don't talk their language. It's a different race, different gender, different this and that. If it was God, in fact, who was leading you, as we're going to see briefly in Moses, life. God says don't worry about any ifs, ands and buts. Just do it. Just go. And we boldly tell the people of the hope God takes over. But even if you suffer for doing what is right God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of the threats. In verse 15, 1 Peter 3.15 If you don't have it underlined or if you have never considered it, it's a wonderful verse to know who you are about and what you should be prepared to do anytime. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you or asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. This is the New Living uh, Translation in the New King James. It says, And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. 
and do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Worship Him sincerely. Set Him apart as Lord of your life. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. In other words, say gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience. That when they speak ill of you, those who speak bad about your good conduct in Christ, they'll be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So God gives us all these verses to be on the ready. Briefly, we're going to look at Exodus 5. If you've been following the morning calls, we've been doing a chapter a day with God's grace. And we see in chapter 5 that the people who are already under severe bondage, and this reflects our lives here, Moses' experience and the people's experience. Exodus 5, verse 1. I'd like someone to read, if you could, for us. Let's listen carefully to the Word of God. This chapter here, 23 verses. Can someone read, please, from 1 to 10? And then someone else, 11 to 23. Let's hear the Word of God here from Exodus chapter 5 and how it relates to our lives now. Hallelujah. Exodus 5. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please, let us go a three days' journey into the desert sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now. You make them rest from their labor. So the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and the officers saying, you shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them the cord of bricks which they have made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men, that they may labor in it. And let them not regard false words. And the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus saith Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Praise God. Someone else, if you could read uh, from 11 to 23, the end of the chapter. We will listen to the word. Go, get yourself sure where you can find it. Yet, none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather Carmel, I think we lost your audio there.
Maybe she has a bad connection. Can anyone else hear Carmel? No. Okay. Thank you for confirming that. Let's see if Carmel can get reconnected with the audio. I don't know what happened. But while she, we're waiting for her, um, straw is essential. You need um, you need mud, water, and straw to make bricks. We remember this from the life training school. And so the consistency of the brick is not just not going to be there if we don't have that straw. It's a very essential ingredient. So this Pharaoh who was oppressing these people, he saw that Moses is coming, commissioned by the Lord to give the message from the Lord, let the people go to worship Him, worship God. And the devil riles up this Pharaoh to say, it's because the people have free time, too much time on their hands that they're entertaining this vain talk from Moses and Aaron. So you know what we're going to do? The quota of bricks and brick making that they are responsible for already under oppression worked sorely, severely. He said, now we're going to take away the straw and we're going to make them go and find the straw. Where are they going to go to get the straw? These are slaves. They own nothing. And so they couldn't find the straw. They had to settle for stubble. And they scattered through the whole land looking for it. You can imagine, and not only that, they were beaten. These officers of the Israelites who were placed over the slaves were called by the taskmasters by Pharaoh. And the Israeli foremen, if you will, or the overseers, they were beaten. The people were scourged, they were harassed, they were oppressed. And they went and told Pharaoh, how can you do such a thing? This is exactly what the devil will do. He will not be content to bother us and bug us a little bit. He's out to kill. His whole mission is to destroy, steal, kill and destroy. The question is this. If God says for me to take a step in the right direction, and while I'm doing what He's telling me to do, things are getting more heated. How many of us have felt that and experienced that? I finally embarked upon a clear road of how to follow God and do God's will. And while I'm doing this, it's getting worse. The situation's getting worse. What do I do? Moses had to face that head on, as did the children of Israel. We saw Moses' life in the past few days, that he seemed to lose everything, those 40 years in the Midian desert. And yet, while he was going through this training period, he had to have a, a, a resurrection of his faith. And he had to have that faith built up to the level that by the time he got to the Red Sea, with their backs literally against this huge body of water that, that they could not cross, except by miracle. The man had faith enough to do that. Which man? The same man in chapter 3 of Exodus, who said, Lord, I cannot speak well. 
I get tongue-tied, Lord, I get nervous. Some people can say I get butterflies in my stomach. I, I just can't do what God wants me to do, what I think He wants me to do. He overcame that and said, God is calling me to do this for Him in His service. I'm going to prepare myself and go and do it. When it looks like I can't handle it, I know God's with me. He's going to make it work. To overcome that. So, in chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5, we see a growth. Moses really, it's wonderful. You know, he was a baby in a basket who grew to be a prince. Quite self-confident. The Bible says he was eloquent in wisdom. He was a strong man in every way. And he thought to bring justice by doing what? Killing that Egyptian who was uh, beating up on a fellow Israelite one day. Then he fled Egypt. And then he seemed to be a nobody from the height of success to be nothing. From a would-be hero to literally zero. We mentioned in the morning call that it's when he emptied himself and said, Lord, I'm not bringing anything to the table. When I come to you and I want to serve you, I, I refuse to bring my education, my degrees, my power of persuasion, my abilities, my assets. I, when I come to God, I have to say, Lord, my cup is empty. I have nothing to offer you as a plus point or an asset that you find as a credit to me to make me qualified to serve you. Because we're called when we are in weakness. So Moses became weak and then God's strength was starting to pour upon his life. It begs this question. Where am I in my timeline of following God? Have I come to the point where I've realized that I'm completely helpless without God's grace? Every day, every moment. One of the ways we come to that conclusion is through physical affliction. When the pain is so intense that you just feel like, I want, to, I want to go to sleep. I can't take it anymore. At that time, can money help? At that time, can friends help? Doctors can't help. You're in such pain. The Bible says, Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. So when we have the Lord, and we're coming closer to Him, and we say, Lord... I realize that I'm nobody, I'm nothing apart from your grace. And the more I realize that, the more God can fill me. Moses argued with God and said, Lord, not only since you spoke to me, or before you spoke to me, but even after you told me that I'm the man you want to use for this great deliverance of a couple of million people from bondage, I can't do it. Lord, I cannot speak well. And the Lord said, who made man's mouth? Who made a person's hearing? Who did all of that? He says, I know exactly what I'm doing. He said, now go. Just go. And then he conceded to having Aaron to be Moses' helper. He didn't have to. God is so gracious. He was developing Moses' faith. Now Moses' faith rises to the point where he goes to Pharaoh's palace and he does these signs with the rod turning into the serpent and the hand going into the bosom, becoming leprous and then back to normal again. His faith is growing. 
God is really delivering on His promise to be with me. I just did these miracles. It was God. I was afraid, but now I see the confidence rising. Faith is rising. You know what? This is where we're at now, chapter 5. With the oppression that the people are under, and Moses knows well, all too well about it, he knows that he's going to a people who are very, very uh, disillusioned, very angry and bitter, and they are feeling severely oppressed. And he's supposed to bring this word of hope. Would we have confidence and faith in God to go and tell somebody, Jesus still loves you even though you're going through the worst of it right now. I know that he can turn your situation around because he did it for me. Moses got this identity from God after 40 years of being a nobody, at the age of 80, no less, to becoming strong in spirit, that when the second big obstacle came, first was, I can't go because I can't speak well, Lord. Now I'm in Egypt talking to the same people who believed and had hope. Now the Pharaoh, through Satan, has increased the, the uh, pressure on them without altering the quota of bricks that they have to deliver, taking the essential ingredient of straw out, saying, go look for it, you're idle. Can you imagine the bitterness they have now? Why did you ever come to give us this word from God, like you said? Things have gotten much worse. This affected Moses. Let's continue to read here. If Carmel, are you back? I don't know if we can hear her audio again. But maybe she's just trying to reconnect. But someone else please read from, uh, it's a very short chapter, from 11 to 23. Exodus 11, uh, chapter 4, chapter 5 rather, 11 to 23. And briefly we'll look at this and then Pascal will be able to come and share the word of belief. Exodus 5, New King, New King James Version. Go get yourself straw where you can find it, yet none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, Fulfill your work, your daily caller, as when there was straw. Also the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had sent over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not fulfilled your task in making break both yesterday and today as before? Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing thus with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants, and they say to us, Make brick. And indeed, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle, idle. Therefore you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore go now and work, for no straw shall be given you, yet you shall destroy the quota of bricks. Stop, pardon me, you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said. You shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron, who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh 
and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble to on these people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to these people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Thank you for reading. Moses gets affected. Can you see yourself in this? The whole point of reading scripture is to see it in its original context, who it was originally written to. We know Moses composed the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the five scrolls. And they were written to Israel. And then by the time of the Lord Jesus, after he died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead, the disciples began to spread it abroad. Acts chapter 2, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And the message started to spread beyond Jerusalem into Samaria, to Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. And through the Apostle Paul, they went as far as Rome. And then after that, it spread all over the world. This message is a mirror for every one of us. First of all, to know what God meant and who He sent it to. What was their situation? We can gather that from reading the surrounding verses and chapters in the whole Bible. But as we read, the Holy Spirit will begin to cause a flame to come upon the words and leap into your heart. And you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God is speaking to me where I am now today. That as I look at Moses, the Israelites, and Pharaoh, I see, you know what? Me, as God's mouthpiece, I see me being sent to someone or some people on behalf of God. And I also see the devil in people and demonic spirits rising up to stop me. You see how Moses gets affected? Maybe you've never seen this before. Seeing and being able to trace the growth of this great figure in biblical history. Nobody started out a giant. Abram was not a giant of faith. He became a giant in the faith. How? Trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey, to simply hear God and say, Lord, this is the direction you want. Here's my step. Just go forward with what God says. As we successively take the steps, we become giants. God's, that's God's desire. He doesn't want any one of His children to be less. He says, all of my children are blessed. They're all princes and princesses, warriors in my kingdom. Everyone. But who's willing to be trained to fill those shoes? Who's willing to count the cost, pay the price and reap the reward. Moses may not have looked to be a strong warrior when he was called at the age of 80 from being a shepherd 
going from a prince to a shepherd, forgotten, but not forgotten by God. But what he gained when he emptied himself was a place in the Word of God, a place in God's heart that is eternal. This is life worth living. So, the people charged Moses, at the end of chapter 4, you see, let's just look at that for a moment, it says, so the people believed when Moses did the signs. They believed when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel. Have you been in affliction in your family, on your job, in your body? And you're thinking, how long will it go on? This is what they felt. There seemed to be a glimmer of hope. Here comes a man out of nowhere, seemingly. And it looks like God's been speaking to him and he's going to deliver us. All of a sudden we have some hope. Thank God he didn't forget, forget about us. They bowed their heads and worshipped. Enter Satan again into Pharaoh. I thought, when Jesus comes into my life, everything will become rosy and I'll have no more problems. I thought that there's no more battle. No, we're very much a pilgrim in this world. And as the lyrics of the song I sang before, how, how can they live without Jesus? The friends, the few friends that He can call true, who will endure to the end, He's coming back for those. We think about a marriage. Is it enough for the first year to be wonderful? And then be miserable for the rest of the married life and end on a sour note when death dissolves the marriage or someone leaves? Or are we looking for the real thing that I want a marriage that will last, that will be a blessing and that will help us to serve God together to be a blessing to others? God is always thinking eternal things if we can see from that perspective, then our faith will be built up, knowing what? That the devil is out to try to stop me every time God is giving me a leap in my spiritual growth. And it's to be expected. Because if he doesn't harass me, accost me, and oppress me, that means that I'm pretty... I'm in pretty good terms with him. I'm not doing God's will. Jesus said this, Beware when all men speak well of you. When men speak well of you. That means the world just loves you, adores you. For that's how they treated the false prophets who were before you. But if you're going to be sincere, you're going to have hell arrayed against you. But don't fear, I've overcome the world. So be of good cheer. Moses had an opportunity here. And, but you can see the humanness, can't we? Can we identify with him here? Lord, I've been doing everything I can and now it looks like everything's getting worse. Why this bad news, Lord? Why is this happening in my home, Lord? My job? What happened to this promotion I was looking for? Lord, this breakthrough. Can you feel disheartened? We can. Can we feel discouraged? We can. God understands our makeup. But we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord and get back up and say, my God doesn't fail. He doesn't fail. And He doesn't fail His people. That's the truth. These people came and they had a question for Moses. What are you doing here? 
You promised all of this and you came and said you're going to deliver. This man is angrier with us than ever before because of you and your brother. It would have been better if you would have just left us alone. We've been in misery. At least we won't have this quota of making the same amount of bricks, which is already hard to begin with. Now we have to go scattering looking for stubble. And that stubble is not as good as straw either. This is what they said. You, Moses, the Lord judge between us, okay? Because you have made us more hateful in the sight of Pharaoh, in the sight of his servants, to put a sword in the hand to kill us. You have come and told them things and us things that have made the whole scenario worse. When we try to reach out to people, when we try to pray for people, know this, you will get attacked by the devil in one way or another. Because now, you're actually stepping up to be a soldier of Christ. No longer self-centered. Me, myself, and I. The dreadful trinity of self, me, myself, and I. No, I'm looking to my neighbors, my friends, my brothers and sisters, my family members who are not saved. Oh my God, I realize the desperation one heartbeat away from hell, Lord. They've got to come to know you. And I want to speak. Even if the going gets tougher, like Moses, who overcame and eventually led those couple of million people through the Red Sea, and all that time in the wilderness, he got to some points where he said, I am done, Lord. God said he was done. The people were so evil. But Moses still persevered. And we must also, there's hope. When people say, you told me about Jesus, but it looks like things are getting worse. Why this and why that? You can tell them, there's a devil. There's a God, there's a devil. What goal have you ever had in life, and I'll conclude with this, that was worth striving for and achieving, that did not require an overcoming attitude, did not require fortitude and endurance and paying a price for it. Nothing. When somebody says, well, nothing in life is free, somebody says, well, I know what is free, eternal life. It is. But there's more to the story than just that blanket statement. You know what? Jesus said, few find the path, so you strive to make sure you enter in. We don't get saved by works, but we have to prove our faith by giving everything we've got to gain that treasure. Discipleship, true discipleship, which is glorious, holy life, which will be productive and fruitful. Before we leave this world, we can say to the Lord, Lord, I've led so many people to you. And I can still show those people what overcoming life looks like. To this day, Lord, my conscience is clear. What a testimony. I'm going to pray in a moment before Pascal comes on. Have you ever considered how much effort you're giving in your part of the covenant with God? And how God wants to promote you and give you gifts supernaturally. 
And how all of this can be shortchanged because of laziness, because of selfishness, because we looked at the carrot that dangled in front of our eyes like in front of the horse. Temporal things. The whole focus becomes on this life and everything concerned with it. Instead of in context, Lord, if you put me in a school, I want to shine for Jesus over there. Lord, you put me in this job, I'm going to let everybody know there's a Savior. And I'm here to represent Him. I'm going to do the best job I can. But I'm here on a mission from God. If I have to relocate, God directs my steps. That new neighborhood is going to hear about Jesus. Can God count on you for that? In spite of the obstacles, in spite of Satan turning up the heat, because his goal is to make us give up. But if we can say, devil, you can't buy me. You can't run me out of town. I'm going to stay here and raise the banner of the Lord high. And I'm going to tell people who are under affliction, who are disillusioned because their faith is not strong yet, it's weak. I'm going to tell them, I've been through it. I found Jesus as trustworthy. Hang on to Him, and you're going to see the tide turn in your favor, in your family, miracle-working God. That's what Moses found. As he endured, he saw bigger and bigger miracles. God hasn't changed. He's waiting to do that for us, if we can believe and obey. Let's pray a moment together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for Exodus, Lord, chapter 5. Thank you, Jesus. It's the mirror for us, Lord, to diagnose us, Lord, and to give us great hope that we're not alone. We have a whole crowd of witnesses, as we saw in Hebrews 11 recently, who have gone the distance, went through all kinds of affliction, Oh God, because they had their eyes upon that which will last forever. I pray, Holy Spirit, help each one of us to love you, to love your word, to believe your promises, and to continue with you and not back up or give up. Thank you, Lord. Not back down when the enemy turns up the heat, but to show the enemy what we're made up of, which is the grace of God, the power of God. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Thank you, Lord. Help us, Lord, to follow in Moses' footsteps as we also saw in Hebrews recently, that he was faithful in all his house. Oh God, help each one of us to be faithful with everything you've taught us and told us to do. Help us to be able to say, Lord, I didn't do this before, Lord, and I delayed this, Lord, and I disobeyed here. But now, O oh Lord, because of your grace, I've come back to finish what I've started. I've come back to report to you that I've, I'm, Lord, on point with you again. What a glorious testimony. And Lord, we know that when we're on point with you in obedience, you're going to do supernatural things. It's going to only get bigger and bigger. This world may know you and be saved. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise the Lord. I believe Pastor is checking on Esther. She's going to be here momentarily. But Is there uh, anyone who would like to pray? 
and thank God for the word you heard from Exodus 5. You can just go ahead and pray.